I'm swearing I'm making myself sound like a Japanophile or something like that, or some sort of weed, but it's like... Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Insatiable Investigators. I'm your Detective XP player, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast, where today we're going to talk about more things in life, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about you, but it's like... I've started to regress to looking back at older trends. I don't know. I don't know. Recent things I've been watching were like on the early 2000s or even earlier, surprisingly. Very surprising, honestly. Especially on the Japanese side of things. I mean, I understand that I'm essentially consuming quite a lot of uh, Japanese content now. Is that, be is that really because I'm that interested in the content? Or perhaps I have alternative ulterior motives i don't know but it looks like i'm diving into this japanese culture sort of like a rabbit hole thing and uh well i produced that video for nijikasaki there um last thursday as of this podcast being uploaded yeah that video was me essentially talking about how the cha the changes of odaiba I mean, it's relatively easier to keep track of Odaiba than, say, Hong Kong, because Hong Kong's sort of, like, geographical development has been, like, there since even before 1841, when the British first came and took over Hong Kong Island and all that. Uh, yeah, turns out there's a lot of eras of the geography changing in Hong Kong, too, so it's like... I, just before this podcast, I actually went on and saw that, oh, someone made up a a geography test on Hong Kong's geography. And, well, it's in Cantonese, obviously, so, well, answering it mostly in Chinese and all that, but, uh, yeah. You, are, you aren't supposed to get uh, more than 200 normally. If you're just an average Hong Konger, you won't get over 200 of it. 200 out of the 1,000 points you get from this score. I got like 361 out of 1,000. So, I mean, I'm still pretty low on the curve, I must say. But, I mean, that's quite a lot of things there. It's like, there's a lot of unfamiliar terms, unfamiliar names about Hong Kong that... I just realized that, holy balls, I don't know half of these things. I mean, it does make sense because it's past the time already. It's like... Uh, these things were since like the early times of the British or when the Japanese took over Hong Kong and all that for the three years and eight months. Yeah, honestly, it really makes you wonder just how much Hong Kong has really changed, even if it's, you discount the politics and all that. It's like there's a lot of things happening in Hong Kong and it's just hard to catch up with the geography. I mean, heck, I don't think I even got most of the current time, geographic times correct. Because it involves some places that I've never even heard of. I probably passed by it, maybe, but not really known about its name and all that. So, there's that. I mean, to realize that, oh, the English names are actually very different from Chinese, too, really makes you think that, oh, perhaps I do have more of a reason to like be like, oh, I'm going to say hi to Hong Kong a bit more. Try to investigate these places and try to see what Hong Kong had, how Hong Kong has evolved. And then after that, that's when I take my leave. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I can't leave anyway, if I can't leave anyway in the short term, then I might as well try to milk the living balls out of Hong Kong's uh, geography and history, and then I just get out. It's like, I guess in a way, it's like some sort of like um, trial as to like, oh, 
um, I'd like to do these sort of things on different countries too. Like, yeah, I want to travel all around the world, but at the same time, I also want to deep dive into several other countries. One of them that is obviously on my sights right now is Japan, but yeah, that's. I think it's pretty obvious by the time you're seeing me, you know, with my sort of content and my sort of like focus in Japan. Yeah, some sort of weird obsession with Japan. I don't know. I feel like it's getting to a point of being a bit obsessive and i feel like that's wrong you know there's a lot more to this world than just japan i know japan has a lot of social issues to it and the sort of like a rather old-fashioned style or old-fashioned word ethics they have there but it's like even then they still have a lot of things that have preserved even culture you know culture food i'm sure the anime is interesting all that but i realized that i don't really watch that much anime anyway <laughs> except love life and uh, a little bit of the anime that the voice actors from Love Live do. Yeah, I do watch some of those. And then after that, I don't really watch too much, really. I don't know. I just fall out of complete deep dive interest. Somehow I feel like I'm there to really watch the performance of the voice actors there rather than the actual work itself sometimes. So I find it very interesting how I have this internal shift in terms of like what I'm interested with. But yeah, I mean, should I talk about Hong Kong first or Japan? I don't know. I feel like I'm bouncing between these two boundaries here. Um, Hong Kong or Japan, Hong Kong or Japan. We're going to talk about Hong Kong for a little bit. So yeah, I mean, I know the world is at a mess. Russia still threatening to increase their thing. Yeah, escalate, escalate, escalate. Nuclear war, we all suck. Yeah. Not good. It's not good, but I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes when someone's just forcing or pushing the boundaries, you just have to stop them. You know, you know. There's a point where you you can't really yield to someone's demands and all that. So, yeah. I mean, haven't they learned from World War Two? You know, you give them an inch, they go for a mile, sort of thing. You know. I thought, I thought the West learned about this, but no, apparently they don't. Apparently it's still doing the same thing again. Just lovely, I guess. Good job, West. You didn't learn anything from your past. Anyway, so with that out of the way, I was talking about Hong Kong. So, Hong Kong is still a huge mess here. I mean, I feel like a lot of it is really just fanfare to appease the Chinese government, really. It's like, oh yeah, the government's like, okay, Hong Kong is not ha not handling the thing well. The the central government's like, uh, Hong Kong, you're not uh, you're not concealing or you're not handling the situation that well. We're gonna send some of our people over there, yeah. We're gonna send some people over there so that you can stay consistent with our dynamic dynamic zero policy sort of thing. And uh, honestly, it feels outdated, you know. I mean, sure, you can try quarantining people, but it's like, it's not sustainable in long term. I mean, if we're talking about competition, if we're just talking about competition of Hong Kong and everywhere in the world, honestly, Hong Kong has really fallen out of place these past few years. I mean, we're not even talking about the political mess since 2019, but it's like, or 2014 even, but it's like, I don't know, incompetence is, I feel like, not even enough to begin to describe the situation honestly it's like the world is starting to 
understand and actually adopt the sort of like coexistence uh, sort of philosophy because let's be honest here you can't really lock up people in their homes for so long without harming the overall economy after that it's like only the major companies that have the ability to adapt are the ones that really come out on top and everyone else loses and that's not good that's not good at all and so you know it sucks it sucks to see that hong kong still stuck with the oh we gotta we gotta contain everyone that's still infected and all that put them in these uh, hastily built built concentration camps not really i mean they call it they call it isolation centers but really the quality of it's really more so a concentration camp because they barely even have working <laughs> sewage facilities they were barely even have any valid septic tanks or anything there it's like it's even understaffed too and it's very poorly managed and now that you have the mainland's like team coming in to apparently support the the medical team in hong kong now it's like oh wait the mainland team doesn't know how to use the English system that Hong Kong is using, so therefore you're gonna need to spend more time translating it for the people to help. So it's like, what's the point? What's the point? I mean, not even talk about the fanfare that it did. I mean, imagine putting fanfare. It's like uh, every container, right? You have these uh, containers that are shipping vegetables because Hong Kong uh, several weeks ago, several weeks ago. I lost track of time, but several weeks ago, Hong Kong was run, running out of vegetables because the some of the cross-border truck drivers were infected, so they decided to isolate them, and therefore it's like, oh wait, we don't really have any truck transport with vegetables sent from the mainland, so it's like, yeah, the, some of the Hong, Hong Kong government has just gone up to Shenzhen and talked with the uh, party and all that, and like, yeah, we need some, we need some help, can you please send us some help, and uh, you know what, they did send help. Uh, they did send help, uh, they opened several ship routes and several trains and uh, yeah. The common thing about these things is that on every container, on each train and each ship that they have, they have these banners here that are like, together we fight the virus in simplified Chinese. No, no, we're not even going to localize it for Hong Kong. We're going to just stick it to simplified Chinese. Yes, because apparently Hong Kong is a part of China. Because, yeah, um, apparently the one country part is the only part that matters. Apparently forget that two systems. Yeah, let's forget that two systems exist. Says the Chinese Communist Party. But, uh, yeah, it's like, there's a lot of fanfare. Right. There's a lot of fanfare that I'm seeing that's like, come on. If you're if you're really here to help us, right? Don't you shouldn't. There's no point spending all this extra money just to show that oh you're helping us, right? Right. It's just it's like cut to the chase. Okay, cut to the chase. If you're gonna help us, just help us, right? Just imagine all the extra goods that you can actually send. Look, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna question the sort of like quality of products, right? I'm just gonna pretend that it's all quality quality products in China. That's, up to standard right let's just pretend that let's just pretend that's the case you could have you could have reallocated some of that cost they put with those banners for more goods to be sent to hong kong rather than just spending it on banners it's like it's like apparently the priority here is to save face i guess to apparently show that the people in china are like 
with Hong Kong in the apparent battle against the virus. So it's like, I don't know, it's messed up. It's honestly messed up to see these sort of scenarios here. I don't know why I'm deviating too much into the politics, but it's like, I find it very annoying, right? I find it infuriating, you know? It's like, apparently Hong Kong, Hong Kong is supposed to actually have the capabilities to do a lot of these things, right? It's, it isn't like every time you have to have the Chinese government that like, like literally hold your hand on every step. I mean, especially when that hand is literally also draining your power as well. So it's like, um, why do you want to hold hands? Surely, surely you can handle the 50 years and it's like, no, no. The current government is like, yeah, no, we have to embrace that, embrace our one country because apparently our one country is much greater than what uh, what this one city can do. Even though it's the one that's literally carried the, <laughs> carried the early communist party to really get up there. So it's like, bro, it's dumb, it's dumb. I feel like the more I talk about Hong Kong politics, the more I just realize how dumb it is. It's like, I mean, yeah, American politics is also dumb too. It's like, apparently this sort of like narrative of two parties going against each other. And it's like, yeah, you have these set of news. Sometimes they favor one side, sometimes the other. But they end up just exaggerating it so much to, to support their points that somehow the nuances of the facts just go missing. So it's like, I don't know, I don't love, actually, despite catching up, catching up on news nowadays, because these days, apparently, you don't have the capability to just get proper news, right? Like, just only reporting, just the facts. Don't shove in your ideologies into the, that news. Just tell me what happened, well, who was involved, what happened between the the parties or stakeholders in this sort of like events? If that's the case, how does it affect the local people, right? That's simple, honestly. And yet, and yet you have to add these sort of like extra opinions or sort of thing like that. What happened to news? What happened to the point of news? You know? So it's like I feel like these things. It just really comes down to like to the people's hands, really. Like, that people should be figuring out these things, you know, rather than just, I don't know. I guess that's why America has these things called civilian arrests, but even then I feel like, mm, I don't know. I feel like you, you, you do need a certain le level of, like, cog cognition, cognition, intelligence at the very least to at least be like, uh, to at least know that, oh, you're probably making the wrong decision or something like that, and you know it or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. The world is too messed up, and we're relying on too few sources, and it's like too few sources are really telling just the story. Just the story. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Is it, is it that hard to report of what's, ha what's happening in the world without adding your agenda into it? I don't know. I find it pretty difficult, apparently. No, the world finds it very difficult. You know, the major companies, the major news corporates find it difficult to do that. So, really sad. Really sad that we have these situations. But yeah, um, other than that, I mean, Hong Kong's vaccination standards actually pretty high, relatively. Though, let's be honest here, it's kind of 
insane though because it's like oh i mean quite a lot of people has been vaccinated already but now it's like no at this point it's like you have to be vaccinated before you can actually reach these places so it's like uh, apparently you need these vaccine passes at this point well i guess you can call them vaccine passes it's not really vaccine passes but it's some sort of pass like that you know it's like apparently now you need uh, at least one dose to enter like your uh, your hairdresser or some bar or something like that or dine-in or something like that. it's like um at that point it's just like you're just taking away the rights of the people that aren't vaccinated which is dumb it's dumb really it's like why do you risk why do you why do you why do you lose freedom for a short-term security I know there's like a quote that's like um, uh, those who want short-term security loses both security and freedom yeah. that's our quote I'm more leaning towards that too because honestly at this point it's like if you already caught the virus you'd have you have your own immunity it's like you don't have to rely on the vaccine anymore so it's like I mean for those people that aren't vaccinated it's like they know the risk right I mean, sure, you can encourage people to vaccinate. That's fine, but make sure it's correct. Make sure, make sure what you're telling, how you're convincing them is actually true, because vaccines don't protect others. By the way, vaccines don't protect others. They only milden the severity of the symptoms you get from getting the virus. Right? You don't, you don't stop it from spreading to others. So it's like. To say that it would protect yourself, it's true. To protect others, no, no. It still spread the prior virus anyway. So it's like, what's the point? I feel like this this should apply to all viruses, really. It's like, you're you're just preventing the virus's effects on you. You're not affecting the viruses to anyone else. So it's like, what's the point? Why would you do that? That's messed up. But yeah, <sighs> don't know. I, don't know. I feel like I would have my limits in Hong Kong, but let's say maybe I still have some things left to do in Hong Kong before uh, bailing, I guess. But then, well, I mean, there's that. Uh, let's not talk about Hong Kong anymore. It's it's getting it's getting me depressed. So <laughs> let's not talk about that. Let's talk about several places. I mean, mainly mainly Japan, I guess, because uh, yeah, actually, it's like a few days ago. I think it's like the 16th. Yeah, 16th midnight. No, 17th midnight in local time. Uh, they had a... They had a... Hmm. Hold on. I need to check the thing. Because they said it's a magnitude 7.3. Uh, where the, the center... The center of the earthquake is located like... A bit away... A bit outside uh, Fukushima. And obviously one of the closest major cities there is Sendai, so there's that. Apparently this is strong enough that most of Japan does feel the effects of it. So it's like, I mean, Hokkaido definitely felt at least a magnitude 2, uh, a 1 to 2. And then it's like, apparently for the like southern part of Japan, so it's like Miyazaki, yeah. They felt it less, but they do feel it, apparently. So yeah, quite interesting to see that. Yeah. I mean, hope you hope everyone that were affected are still safe. You know, they, they can quickly recover as soon as possible because, you know, last time last time an earthquake happens nearby, uh, yeah, the nuclear reactor kind of broke down. And, uh, yeah, 
it didn't go well. So let's just hope that the sort of like after aftershocks or the tsunamis won't really destroy them that badly. I mean, they have made countermeasures already since the March 11, 2011 earthquake. So yeah, I'm thinking this time that their effects would be less severe. So there's that. So anyways, praying for your safety, Japan. But yeah, Japan, Japan. And uh, good things, there are a lot of good things in Japan, like I said before, they preserved a lot of culture, even more so than uh, China themselves, right? Uh, just imagine this, the culture that Japan has is actually quite inspired from the ancient Chinese, actually. They, they got their kanji from the honji from the Chinese, right? And they sort of like adapted to their Japanese text. And so they have what they have right now, uh, a mix of uh, kanji, hiragana, and katakana. And I find it pretty weird because sometimes I just don't know when they, which sort of like words type they're using sometimes. Sometimes in some areas it's like, I thought it would make sense to use a kanji here, why are you using hiragana? I could understand katakana because sometimes you want to emphasize a word even though there is a proper kanji for it, but it's like, yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out these things about the Chinese, the Chinese, the Japanese word system, because apparently even Jap the kanji that Japan has sometimes have words that Japan that China doesn't have. So I don't know. Makes it weird. Makes it weird sometimes. So, yeah, there's that. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to appreciate in Japan too. Even the horse racing scene. It's like if you're a horse racing lover, then you'd honestly love Japan because. There's so many more races happening in Japan, and if you want to visit retired horses, Hokkaido is your best friend because that's where most of the steeds, the most popular steeds, actually uh, live their retirement years, really. So, yeah. That's another good reason to visit Hokkaido, I guess. I don't know. My original reason to visit, I guess, to want to visit Hokkaido partly is because, I guess, the snow festival, the snow festival that they do. And then also a bit of the uh, pilgrimage for Saint Snow from Love Life Sunshine. Yeah, I'm thinking to do that as well, but it's like, mm, there's a lot more, you know. Now, now that I know that a lot of the retired steeds, horses are residing in Kaido, that's in a good reason to visit that place. So, that's nice. Also, Sapporo. I'm pretty sure I said this like on the first season, but my favorite beer is still Sapporo. <laughs> like, after all this time, yeah, it's still my favorite beer. Damn. Yeah, also love to visit their thing there too, the factory. Yeah, because you can actually walk in there, I believe, and they have a specific brew that you can only get from the factory. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And also this abandoned, abandoned town, almost abandoned town that is trying to come out from its debt. So yeah, it's death-ridden town. Yeah, I was I was thinking to visit that too, but it's like I don't know. I feel like if I want to do these more specific sort of things, I'm gonna need someone uh, from that area, you know. So yeah, that's probably something I need to practice too. Finding finding the right people, you know, to help me complete something because honestly, I I would try to do everything with my own strength, but it's like I feel like. 
um, if I really want to go in depth into like some things, I'm gonna need a guide. I'm gonna need someone to help me out. So I'm gonna need like an expert also. So I'm saying if we're talking about like retarded steeds, I'm probably gonna have to talk about the. I'm gonna have to talk to like the uh, stable owners or something like that. Or if I wanted to visit the. Uh, visit the death ridden town you body then i'd have to try to contact a local over there and see if they can uh, you know guide me through through the city to the town i mean you know so very very important i feel like that you're gonna need some people that are specific for the region so yeah there's that but yeah i mean i feel like some of these inspirations are also inspired from uh abroad in Japan, so Chris Broad's Journey Across Japan series, that's right. So yeah, I don't know, his his theme was to go from north to south if I remember correctly. That was his initial time with Journey Across Japan with bicycles. It was like from north to south I believe, right? So I wonder, what made him decide that, that north to south was the better option? Maybe it's, maybe I guess, I don't know. My guess here is that, oh, if you want colder weather, then if you're gonna start like on spring or or late winter, I guess starting from Hokkaido and then slowly making your way down south to Kyushu would make sense because it'll take a longer time before it gets too hot. And I don't like that. I don't like it, things being too hot though. I don't know. I don't know. With that concept, I guess, maybe right maybe that's the same concept but it's like the other way around because that means say if you're gonna start in like september when the weather's starting to get cold uh if you're going from a north to south technically you aren't gonna be getting cold weather that quickly right as you keep going south of japan so yeah i guess i can understand the north to south route thing um if you're if you're doing like on late autumn i guess i guess there's that and then if you want to do like winter i guess then you want to go from south to north so that so that way you don't feel too cold you just feel just right at the goldilocks zone or something like that so i mean that's that's a fun fun concept to think of but can i really do that in three months you know i definitely want some people to travel with me or something like that you know that'd be nice i know i know a smaller more amateur project i guess i don't know japan Japan is really a large place that I don't think uh, a three-month trip would justify it, you know. Especially if you want to really go really in deep to in depth into these sort of places that Japan has. So there's that. So I don't know. Japan is really, really quite the intriguing country to investigate. I must say. I mean, sure, the risk uh, risk of having earthquakes and natural disasters would definitely suck, but. I mean, hey, at a risk at sometimes. So it's just how much of that risk you're willing to palate. That's really the problem here. So there's that. But yeah, um, where are we? Where are we in this podcast? Wow, <laughs> 20, 20 minutes. Sorry. But yeah, um, what do I have left? Right. Oh right, right. I was. I guess we can keep talking about Japan. I guess. I'm, I swear I'm making myself sound like a Japanophile or something like that, or some sort of weed, but it's like, 
I understand the boundaries, right? I understand that I will never be Japanese, that's for sure. And uh, I could appreciate the culture. That doesn't mean that I wanna be like, oh, oh, I drink green tea every day because I love Japan. No, uh, no, no, no. I love green tea because of its flavor, not Japan. Okay, Japan makes good green tea, that's for sure. But it's like, I came, uh, I love green tea. You know, just green tea in general really. uh, more so the sweeter matcha sort of thing or you know try to keep it like on a less fully boiled status because otherwise you're gonna destroy the uh, chemicals in the green tea and it'll make it taste bitter and that's what i like about green tea really is because there's that mild sweetness to it you know if you don't if you don't put it in boiling water keep it like on the 60 or if you're gonna really push it 70 degree water um, 70 degrees Celsius, right? Celsius. So, uh, multiply that by 1.8 Americans. Uh, so yeah, if you have that sort of like water level, water heat there, you can still preserve much of the sweetness of the green tea, and it's pretty soothing. I find it pretty soothing. Though I don't really see myself drinking like hot green tea, because I don't know. Hong Kong's back to its like summer times, I guess. It's like, oh wait, February is like, oh, we're still like 10 degrees. Oh, now we're like, oh, it feels like it's summer now. <laughs> wait, wait, it's supposed to be spring. Why do I feel like it's summertime? Rude. I'm sad. Why did they do this to me? Sheesh. Yeah. I mean, you can appreciate a culture without being a blank, blank file of that certain place, you know. I feel like it would, I would still have the same story, even if I if i touch something else you know say oh maybe i got interested in say a another country say america you know i mean it's probably not the best example but it's like oh america has like 50 states or states or something like that perhaps even more depending on how you split the regions but it's like each state has their own like unique thing that makes it its own state and well it's sort of like has its own subculture i guess and i feel like that's also another good reason to visit the usa for the sort of culture i mean sure the gun culture or something like a meme at this point but it's like i mean there's a reason there are 50 states into one country right 50 states or so into one country right because these states come together to become a country but that doesn't mean that it would sacrifice their culture in general right so it's like what else is there from on the USA, right? What is there from each state that I could appreciate, you know? So I know Arkansas is more of a natural state, right? Because if you want to look for about the nat natural sceneries, Arkansas is going to be one of those major places. And then, well, I mean, I'd like to try to stay, stay and avoid the urban areas, I guess. I mean, urban areas everyone must have visited once or twice already if they're keen on traveling often. But it's like I want to see the more obscure places, if you if you know my drill. But yeah, I don't know. Um, speaking of USA, actually, I've watched is a certain a certain videos about its urban planning. Uh, mostly from the channel, not just bikes. So the argument that not just bikes has is that the suburban area that the Americans have are actually poorly planned. 
right? They're actually economically terrible for the United States. I actually agree with that. You know, it's like, it's like when I look at it, you know, when you compare it to like places like Hong Kong or even really to the urban areas even of America, you just realize that there's so much potential that is wasted on all these family homes they have on the suburbs. I mean, yeah, sure. It costs like one million dollars or something like that if you're like one of the more richer states, but it's like how much how much work power are you getting out of this bit of land? You know? Imagine all the infrastructure that you need need to get traveling past and all that just to just to fund like a small suburb of like one thousand people or something like that. It's like, he spent so much just for that, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's good for quality of life, I guess, but it's not really good for, uh, you know, expenditures, you know, if people really wanted to, to like, survive and all that, suburbs are actually going to be quite the taxing ordeal, honestly, it's like, people have to move in the cities, because otherwise they really have to suffer a lot from that, but yeah, but what I realize is that, America doesn't really, I don't, whenever I look at America, it's like, I don't see that many sort of like public transport, except for like, say, the major cities, mainly New York or something like that, New York, Texas, Chicago, uh, Texas is a state, damn it, no, I'd say Houston, but I feel like Houston is still forcing it, but it's like, yeah, let's just say New York, right, New York has their metro, New York has their taxis, but when you consider that the there are a lot of suburbs people need cars to travel yeah those public transport go to bollocks like, yeah that's really the problem really it's that yeah suburbs are nice suburbs are nice but they should be a luxury not a sort of like common thing you know because when you have this much and this many suburbs it's like there's a lot of things that you're being you know taxed on it's like at this point, the USA is also vulnerable to gas prices because now it's because people are relying on these cars. But it's like you're not really solving the major issue here, right? Environmentalists are like pushing for this electric car narrative, right? But but there's this other way, you know, that would have been a better solution, better city planning. Because when you think about that, right, I mean, especially when you look at like um, Hong Kong or Singapore or even the urban parts of Japan too, it's like you realize that the places are tightly knit and you don't need that much walking. I mean, you can just walk to places or you are basically just incentivized to use uh, the public transport rather than to have your own car unless you're like going to cross state or cross prefecture you know so say if like oh you need to go from uh, say tokyo 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 haneda all the way to like fukushima right i mean yeah you could probably justify having a car but you could always take a shinkansen or take a local bus or take a local train you know there's more options you know so it's like you are you aren't forced to have your own car is what i'm trying to say here because if cars are the main sources of pollution which it honestly is and then why don't you build better cities why don't you try to make the cities come together you know come together in this more tight-knit space where everyone can get 
what they need, go to work, all within walking distance or within public transport distance, and just get on with it. You know, you know. I feel like I feel like America would have been a much, much more powerful country if they really understand the potential of public transport and better city planning. So yeah, really wasted after USA. It's like, yeah. Yeah, USA has a lot of resources. They're very power. They technically have a lot of power. They're just too. I don't know. I don't know. They're just too simple-minded to use this power. If I'm, if I'm gonna say it, I feel like the Americans are too really simple-minded and really uh, shot themselves in the foot uh, when it comes to like properly managing their powers. So it's like I don't know. Don't trust the USA. I don't know. Probably better than China. <laughs> I mean, if I had to trust between USA and China, it's probably the USA, but honestly, I'd prefer a better option. <laughs> At this point, you really can't really trust a single country because they have their own agendas, they have their own things, and yeah, it's it's a pain, honestly. It's like, uh, people in authority have their own regime that they want to pull off, or their own agenda that they want to pull off, and uh, yeah, it's probably end up the losers in general, it's really just the people, you know, <laughs> so... I don't, I don't know. Is there a good governing system out there? I don't know. Uh, definitely not the sort of like autocracy that you're seeing, but it's like, yeah. Really wish that. Or maybe, maybe there's another way to really see these things. You know? It's like, we need to. Can you really make a system, right? That is, one, uh, dumb, pe dumb people proof. Two greed proof and three, um, one that maintains the basic rights of people. It's very difficult to really balance to have these three as the, as the minimum standard apparently. So that sucks. I don't know. Can someone make that utopia? It's going to be very difficult, I'm betting. But if that's possible, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of people supporting that idea. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, USA still has a lot, I'm guessing. Still a lot to really see, I guess. A lot of like different sort of foods, different sort of cultures that they have. And well, a lot of natural sites, I guess. So I don't know. I'd like to give it a try. Right. I don't know. There's a lot of places obviously out there that are worth visiting. And if I wanted to try something more up bit more compact it'd probably be the UK in general obviously including the islands and uh, I guess Scotland I don't know have they declared independence yet I forgot but uh, yeah I'm gonna include that area but it's like hmm, maybe I could look something out with that I don't know based on the sort of difficulty of which countries are difficult to completely travel I'd say um, UK comes third, Japan comes second, then USA. I'm guessing that's the ascending order of difficulty to really, you know, inspire. Not really inspire, but I mean, you know, investigate through all the places and really take a deep dive. So there's that. I normally would add China if, uh, if they didn't have their current regime. It's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't like being risked. Uh, being at risk of being, like being uh, taken to a concentration camp just because I said something that doesn't fit the taste of the governing power, you know. So it's like I don't know. I don't know. China's still a bigger risk to me than anywhere else, really. I mean Russia. Yeah. 
Russia, but honestly, the people of Russia is uh, showing that, oh, they actually don't really support their government that much. And yet, you don't really see that much of that in China. So, it's like, I mean, if you talk about the lesser of two evils, I'd say Russia. <laughs> Russia. China's like too, too deep into the realm that, to be really like, oh, there's this major diversity of actually the people being enjoying these diversity that China has technically so yeah maybe I'll give it give it a try when the regime actually falls but yeah there's that but with that said really that really goes to uh, give me that question it's like what am I gonna do what will I do what I'm gonna do to give value to this world do I do I just do I just find a stable job and just call it a, call it a life or do I just throw myself out there straight up without doing anything and just straight out go out there and risk it start a channel or I mean actually make content on my F021 channel and be like oh there's these little particular places in these countries that you may not know about because uh, you only know about tourist hotspots sort of thing so I like to be that kind of channel you know if there's a direction that I want F021 to really branch off towards to, it's deep dives into certain countries. Though honestly, I can't really do every single country, or I'm gonna need several lives to do that. So, unless I can, I, unless if I somehow have a family and I can convince my family to continue this tradition, that is not gonna be possible for me to do every single country. So, yeah, there's that. I mean, wouldn't it be nice, you know, to have like a family of adventures? It's honestly fun. It's honestly fun to listen to. But uh, yeah, it's a weird quirk, I'm guessing. Guessing is a weird quirk. You don't really hear about the term adventurer nowadays because technically most of the world is explored. It's just that the underwater segments where apparently we know less about than outer space. So strange. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we don't know about the world and the world beyond, but, you know, we try, we try, we're just humans, we just are curious to know about a lot of things around the world, or around us, just to make better sense, I suppose, and really just to go at it, really. But yeah, I really hope that um, this sort of situation would really ease down, I mean, the UK is actually lifting up basically all the restrictions so technically uh, most people can just hop into the UK if they wanted to so that's nice to hear yeah that's really a first major step to really be like oh we are coexisting with the virus sort of thing so there's that that's pretty nice so it's like you know you sort of like rights thing you know human right thing it's rights thing it's like yeah I feel like um, the real limitation here is that just you can do whatever, right? As long as it doesn't bring harm to others. You know? It's like, um, at the same time, you should also know that there is the risk that something would happen. So it's like, for example, uh, do you wear mask? Do you wear masks in a plane, right? Like, yes, I know ventilation is relatively poor, relative to like, uh, say, just a normal, a normal room in, in ground level. But it's like, um. There is that risk. There is the risk of being infected, but I'm willing to take it. 
If you are, then it's alright. You don't have to really wear a mask, you know. If you're still afraid, you can wear a mask or just not wear, or not take the plane, you know. It's like, there are a lot of different options there. Unless if you're, like, traveling very long distances where you really can't not use a plane. Which, in that case, try not to travel, you know. So, there's that. It's like, there's a lot of things there that there aren't any exact right or wrongs. It's like, it really depends on the risk tolerances of individual persons. And it's like, yeah, might as well, if you want to continue wearing masks, why, why not? Why not? If you think that protects you, why not? Why not? You know? I mean, yeah, there's the science for it, but it's like, I mean, just how much of it we all believe? I don't know, but it doesn't mean that science is always right at any point of time. It can be proven wrong, and that's the point of science. You question it, right? You question it so that either A, you validate it, or B, you prove that it's false and try to find an alternate theory to try to support it, you know? That's the that's the scientific method. You start with hypothesis, you do experiments, and what the result says to you, you try to see if that uh, applies and all that, you know? Or or you see how far that is off to your hypothesis and see like oh perhaps my hypothesis was wrong or maybe that maybe that I have a different condition or something like that you know and not the other way around it's not like it's not like oh we said the science says you wear the virus so you, no, you wear the virus you wear a mask so you wear a mask you get vaccinated so you get vaccinated no no there needs to be the evidence behind it right? That's the point of scientific method. I feel like the basics of it is just lost to sensational topics. That sucks. That sucks. What happens to science? I don't know. Science isn't this holy bible that you should believe 100% in. It's there to be doubted. It's there to be questioned. And not let not allowing it to be questioned is the exact opposite of science. That's a religion. <laughs> That's what you call a religion. So, yeah. But I mean, yeah. And that's it. Um, I think we're talking enough of politics. We talked about traveling enough, I think. Um, let's talk about something a bit more close to end today's podcast. So, I went ahead and bought something, right? So, I went ahead and bought a photo book. Like, if I ever bought anything from the internet... Uh, that is related to like a photo book or something like that or merch this photo book that i bought is my very first one right i never bought any love Hunt merch i never bought any anime merch i never bought any sort of like items from the internet per se uh, except for camera equipment yeah that's the exception but other than that i didn't really buy anything from the internet and so i mean i probably maybe a bit uh elated let's just say to get this photo book because right now right i ordered it just about last week since uh i'm recording this on friday so that's 18 i have ordered this photo book on the 12th it's like literally the day after it was uh released and well in terms of delivery that's uh, for the book is, I believe it's been shipped out of Tokyo already. Yes, you heard me right. It is 
probably a photo book from someone in Japan. As to who it is, I don't know. I think you can guess who it is, but I think I think I haven't mentioned enough about my history, my browser history to tell you that, oh, it's that person. It's definitely that person. Why wouldn't it be that person? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. The person has a very nice, positive, per <laughs> very entertaining personality, has, his, has her humble parts and uh, yeah, honestly, the work she does is nice, honestly. And it's becoming one of my first OCs, I would say. So yeah, there's that. I mean, I mean, if, I wonder who am I talking about? Sheesh. But yeah, I think I think for those that do know the answer, they're not even listening to the podcast. So I think I'm safe. I think I'm safe, maybe. But uh, yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a video of it. I think I'm gonna make uh, two videos. One video is to how I bought the thing, and then the second one is literally me reviewing the photo book. So, yay! Two videos of content just from a quick purchase. Ain't that lovely? <laughs> Sheesh, man. Sheesh, my man. I need to do something. Right? I don't know. I, don't know. I feel like sometimes I would like to take the time to do this because when you think about that right i have this camera course i have this camera system course with it which is still indefinitely postponed because the hong kong government isn't thinking with their heads they're thinking with their genitals that's right they're thinking with their genitals because they want that sweet sweet uh central government support yes that's right that's right yes no i think they think with their mouths because otherwise they can't they got they can't suck on the teeth of the Chinese government. There we go. So yeah. Uh, that aside, roasting aside, um where was I? Where was I before I roasted uh, roasted Hong Kong? Um my camera assistant course is still missing the in-person sessions. We are missing just the in-person sessions and the final test for us to actually graduate from the course. And well, based on the current situation where we just keep being postponed, well, I don't know when I'm gonna actually finish that course. April? May? Better not be May or June. Dear Lord, that's too long, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna want that uh, extra credential to help me find someone to help one. My God, man. But yeah, um, anyways, that aside, the mentor for that camera assistant course was made this joke, right? He made this joke uh, while, we were, while we were having our online lessons and it's like, uh, um, XP, do you have a photo book? I'm like, um, no. How, how can you call yourself a how can you call yourself a photographer if you don't have a photo book? It's what he joked. So, um, yeah, I think I think I took that joke quite literally when I bought this book. Well, let's just say I guess you could treat it that way. Part of the incentive is really because of the person personality that's inside of that is in the photo book. So there's that. I'm sure I could have gone for like the more general multi multitask or something like say Paradise or something like that where it features multiple voice actors. Sure. Sure, that works too, but it's like, I somehow decided like, oh, let's do this one voice actor instead. 
Oh shoot, I already revealed a good two-thirds about who, who, whose photo book I bought. But yeah, I mean, I think you could tell based on the release date, because the release date of that photo book is the 11th of March. So yeah, I mean, if you can figure out who am I talking about, congratulations. I think you've just realized who my favorite CEO is right now. So there's that. Yeah, imagine taking a joke too literally and then you manage to, manage to actually buy a book, an audio, a photo book just because of that. Oh well. I mean, hey, at least I could blame it on the mentor and be like, oh, it's, it's the mentor's fault that I bought this book. It's not my fault that I bought this book. It's my mentor. My mentor said I need it. Okay, I, I dropped I dropped something. <laughs> Whoops. My mentor said I needed, I needed a photo book to call myself a photographer. Okay. Okay, this is, this is purely for my learning, okay? This is purely to improve my skills in photography. Definitely not because I like to see cute, uh, cute outfits of that certain person. Okay, definitely not that. Definitely not that. It's definitely not. No. no. It's definitely not that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Purely for research purposes, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's that one borderline that I am not going to cross, and that is RET. Um... If I ever do end up buying that, it's gonna be under an alias, and I'm not, I'm not really down for that. Okay, I don't really have that much spare money <laughs> to spend on um, R18s. Okay, come some slack here, come some slack here. I don't have my own room. I could probably consider it if I do have my own room, but it's like, why, why, why do that when you can just download it? Uh, I mean, you could buy the online version, I guess, but I feel like maybe. Maybe, just maybe, the printed version would be more exciting to read because you could see it, but bigger than just your monitor size, you know? Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, yeah, we're stuck. Mm, I think that's gonna be it for today. I think that's gonna be it for today. I don't wanna spoil too much about what, what the thing is. The thing is still, I'm still waiting for it to develop, deliver because, uh, Actually, yesterday, yesterday, it got shipped out of Japan, and the local post office says that they have to, they have to delay, delay the delivery by three to five days. So I'm expecting it to be released like to arrive like next Tuesday. I'm thinking. So hope that's the case because I want to make the video on Wednesday, not Wednesday, Tuesday or Thursday, somewhere on that line. Because, yeah, video ideas, okay? I need more video ideas. Sheesh. And one of the major content points is gonna come from here. So, yeah, I wanna make it like a double video special. <laughs> so, first video how to buy stuff from this certain website. Video two reviewing the photo book. Hooray, free content. Uh, it only costs like 300 Hong Kong dollars. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I forgot shipping. I forgot shipping. Shoot. Man, I. I Okay, before we enter this podcast, I have to talk about shipping because, dear lord, it's like half the price of the damn photo book. I mean, sure, it got, we got rid of the tech attacks and all that, but dear lord, man. So, before tax, the photo book is $3,800, right? And then after the delivery, it costs 5,710 yen. So, for Americans, that's 57 bucks? No, no, you have to move it. They have divided by 100, so 5 buck. Eh? Tell them up there. Tell them up there. Say kind of. Um, hold on. 
the current ratio is like 1 to 105, right? 1 US to 105 or 110 JP, JP, JPY, I forgot. Uh, essentially, the whole delivery is the 3,800 from the for the book plus 1,910 from the shipping fee. So that's 5,710 yen. So uh, divided by 100, we have 57 dollars. 57 US dollars, 55 US dollars, somewhere in that range. And uh, wow, that's a pain in the balls. Uh, that's around 300 Hong Kong, if you're wondering. So. Yeah, whoopsie daisy, I guess. $300 for a darn photo book. Two videos costing $300 and I can't even pay a single cent back because I'm not monetized. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, we'll just treat it as an interest, but uh, yeah. Um, I think we're going to dive on something related to that next podcast. So fingers crossed that the photo book comes in time. So yeah, with that said, any last words I want to put? Not really. So that's going to be it for today's podcast. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, then be sure to leave a like on the YouTube video and give us a follow on on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and the major podcasting websites. So there's that. So yeah, let us know your opinions on what we talked about today's episode, whether it's like which places that you find, you know, complex to travel or what places do you think would take the longest to really fully experience and well you know the sort of like policy systems that you have on your place your country your city or something like that do you like the direction of it or you know whatever and uh, yeah just share your thoughts in the comments below and if obviously if you have any suggestions for what topics do you let them down and let me know in the comments as well so there's that Anyways, with that said, that's going to be it for me. I'm your Detective Action Player, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.